have to talk louder than that, I think. Well, you're doing it. You're not. You're doing the intro, not me. Hello. I welcome. hope you're recording. I, I recorded you starting saying with "I'm Rusty," which I don't know. I we did the episode with I think it was Fernando, one of the guys we we interviewed recently, and it starts in media res, and I'm like, this doesn't work for our show, but it kind of works for our show, but because we start with the, the theme song intro as opposed to whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery, season three, Internet module. I'm Joey Lewandowski. Hey, Joey. Uh, it's been months. It's probably been six weeks since we did an yeah. episode. I'd just like to say to all of our listeners, Merry Christmas. No, this is coming out this month. This is our next episode. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a wildly complicated. Again, it's the pre-tape call-in show. Every single time I say it, we just put out the novelist, which I feel like we on the novelist episode we talked a lot about the Gray Man, which is a movie that people talked about on Netflix for about six hours and then stopped. But we talked yeah. about the Gray Man for a while in that episode. No longer relevant. But I think this behind-the-scenes stuff is why people listen to the show. They want they, they want to know about scheduling. They want to know about... It's honestly funnier uh, than what we're talking about otherwise. Yeah. Book today is Live Blog by Megan Boyle, which chronicles six months of her life. Is it six months? I didn't even, I didn't even mark St. Patrick's Day of 2013 to like September 1st. It so starts on St. Patrick's Day? Mm-hmm. She doesn't really celebrate holidays, though. Look at that. I don't celebrate holidays either. You and Megan Boyle. Me and Megan Boyle. I have so I should have planned better for this, but instead I read six hundred of these seven hundred pages since Monday morning. This is Saturday, so all I have done this week basically is read this book. We gave ourselves a month to do this, which is a long time for us. Usually, we give ourselves a week or two weeks. Mm -hmm. We gave ourselves a month for this book, and both of us were cramming at the last minute to get it done. I have an excuse. I started a new job a month ago, and so it's been like living hell for me. I have an excuse. I'm just bad at time management sometimes. Like I'm really you you were on multiple planes. You had... So I read I read a fair amount on the plane down, and then on the way back, I was so tired, and I was just like, I'm just going to talk to my friends on Facebook, and that's all I'm going to do. Well, like on with the, the free On the free messaging Wi-Fi, yeah. Sex yeah free, you guys too. free messaging Wi-Fi. Do you ever airdrop weird shit to other people on the plane? No. Have you ever thought about doing that? Not on the plane. I feel like on a plane, you're going to get on a list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do it on a subway, sure, maybe. I haven't done it, but, you know, I've been with Dylan when he's gotten weird airdrops. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Dylan. Dylan's, like, peak weird airdrop culture. He, like, just, he just attracts it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People see him, and they're like, I'm going to send that guy a, a, I don't know. Something. It's not even, like, sexual. It's just, like, a weird thing or just, like, a normal thing, but it's weird because there's no context and it's from a stranger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is our longest book of the season. We knew it was the longest book of the season. Still did not prevent me from spending probably 20 hours this week reading this book well so it's it's 700 pages and it is a uh all in in some cases minute by minute account of a day mm -hmm. um and these days are often very long because uh megan boyle avoids sleep oftentimes with the help of narcotics so you get like a literal 24 hour recounting yep. of someone's day from Midnight to Midnight. Which I think is fascinating, and this is... Uh, I love this book. This is one of my favorite things we've read for this podcast, and one of my favorite things I've read in a long time. Yeah, and let me say off the top, off the top, this was my favorite book the year that it came out. It came out, like, 2018? 2018. So, like, five years after she wrote it, mm -hmm. it came out in mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. form. Is the Tumblr still up, do you know, or no? No clue. Okay. Didn't follow it live while it was happening. Don't know anything about that. Read it entirely in when this form. I don't know if I would have the... Uh, I don't know if I would have had the endurance to keep up with it while it was happening. Well, I think what's fascinating, and this is what I was, the thing that, that interests me most other than just like her writing, I think is just uh, phenomenal, but is the, what the, a word you used before is the scaffolding of all this, because yeah. like mm -hmm. reading in this format, it seems like she wrote every day, but then you find out that like she would do like a week's worth of updates basically after the fact. Yeah. But reading yeah, it in yeah. print form, just like, oh, that's the next day or whatever. And so I think... The idea of following something in real time or her going back and editing or amending or removing or adding mm -hmm. or whatever, it just, it's fast. It's, it's, I'm sure it happens with everything that we've read, but I feel like because of the nature of what she's doing yeah, and the way that she's chronicling things, it's more interesting here. And I like that this is the only way that I've consumed this. I think I, I either would have like followed it obsessively or not, or like read it a couple of days. I'm like, I, you know. well, it's interesting because if you're following it obsessively, there are interactive components to it where you can, yeah. um, you can, uh, there's a part where she leaves her phone number and you can call her to get her to do a certain sound. The and faucet I, sound. I think, I think yeah. that she's, uh, in some cases, uh, lucky that that didn't go worse because it feels like now, 10 years after this, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was like that back then, and maybe she just attracted uh, the type of uh, reader that wouldn't do this. Now, if you did that, I feel like you would get a barrage of people sending you messages. She would that be would doxed, be... I think, because she puts her address in here, she puts her email in here, she puts well, her. Like... I mean, that's not she's doxing herself. Isn't that like I know? But do I think... you mean she would get like attacked in 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 like a, a I don't like know spammed and, and I would be worried to put any kind of identifiable information. But right. I, I think even though 2013 is still well into internet as an internet as we know like it's still like basically the modern internet mm-hmm. it feels like it's a, it was such a, a more peaceful simpler time well it's a it's a surprisingly apolitical novel not not like surprising but like there's no uh like i because i think of the internet as being like there's like sharp political teeth everywhere you turn you can't you can't like walk down an internet hallway without getting snagged on some kind sure, of political yeah, argument yeah. and uh this book doesn't really go into that at all even like the politics of language there's some there's some stuff in here that is is interesting to me because it's like i guess the people would say that it's politically incorrect whether it be the use of the word retard or uh uh there are parts that like you would um if i were making this book uh i would have censored that stuff right because I'm, I'm i'm maybe not as brave as megan boyle is being here she's like opening herself up to like interesting criticisms it's wild how fearless she is especially because like i think ultimately like the things that she says that people might have a problem with the words that she uses the that there's part where she's like um you know she's with her mom and she's like doing impression she's doing like a like a chinese voice and mm-hmm. things like that like these are things that um to to do in private with your mom is like you know, that's one thing and it's like completely privatized and you don't like your mom's not going to be like my daughter did the most racist thing the other day. But like then to put that stuff on the Internet, it's, yep. like, it's like you're trusting your audience to understand the context of who you are and to understand like that you are uh, not a hateful person, that you're that you're all of these things that, you know, it's 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 a really uh um, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I think, you know, that's the thing that we've talked about a lot this season, I think, as we've gotten more biographical, even in narrative, like in fiction. Yeah. When we're like, this kind of feels like it's maybe true to the mm-hmm. actual author. Right. The Patricia Lockwood novel, which hasn't come out yet. Right. And the, Correct. And oh, the, um, that, that book is so good. I, I feel bad that we haven't put that out yet. But, yeah. you know, and whatever. The, and certainly uh, the Darcy Wilder book. Yeah. Are, are things that we've thought of in this vein. And it's like we've talked about like we we get a sense of who the author is and we know that they're not this or they are that or whatever. But mm-hmm. I feel like in how you're saying you tr- she trusts the reader, she trusts the whatever, I think we know who Megan Boyle is just because like we know more about her than anybody else unless this is all a ruse, which I don't think it could possibly be. If, if it is a ruse, it is the greatest trick a magician has ever pulled or something. Yeah, I know. I know. I know more about her than I know about um Half our baseball league, yeah, like yeah, like Rollins, for example. <laughs> like, I, like I know, I know more about yeah people we've been friends with for five or more years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, by the way, we're talking to her next week. We're interviewing her after this episode, so we'll have an interview out with her. So stay tuned. That might go terribly. Th- there's something. Why would it go terribly? I don't know. I know too much. She knows nothing about us. We know everything about her. <laughs> Although I feel like that's probably true of every interview she's given about this book. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, so, so when you when you mentioned scaffolding earlier, um, you were talking about scaffolding as like a, a structural um, or editing thing within within the novel. But what, what I thought you were going to say was that something that this book it sort of interestingly relies on or doesn't rely on because I don't think it was it was obviously not originally intended to be a book it was originally intended to be like kind of a therapeutic device for her right which she writes at the beginning of the novel she writes uh that it is she doesn't like where her life is mm-hmm. so she thinks that writing it down in uh minute detail will cause her to change her behavior mm-hmm. um which so, it kind of does and kind of doesn't yeah yeah it's a well, well we can get to that um but so it not being a uh like audience intended work um i guess in some ways it is obviously because she's putting it on the internet and and the the like accountability and feedback will come from being judged by other people i mean it's basically it's like a it's a blog in the sense of like it's a diary like this is like her like logging things for her own benefit it just other people can read it but like as far as scaffolding is concerned like in 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 regards to like the literary community i think this puts a cap on uh the the concept of and and like people hate using this term but it's like a useful categorical term of like quote unquote alt lit mm-hmm. um because if you read this book i think i i think not sure haven't talked to anybody who who is completely unfamiliar with the people in this book 
it probably helps your experience if you're familiar with the following people. Uh, Tao Lin, Jordan Castro, Sam Pink, Blake Butler, Julieta Scoria, Gian. Mira Gonzalez. Uh, Gian, Gian Marie Calloway. Yeah, uh, Marie Calloway. I feel like, and I said this to you, like this uh, feels Ra- like... Rachel Rabbit. This White. feels like the Avengers of alt-lit because I'm glad, like... So, that's an interesting metaphor because it's like the biggest pop culture. Th- you're talking about the biggest pop culture thing in the entire world, and then like this. To a thing that's basically contained like, a one or two presses, yeah, in located Brooklyn. Located community, yeah. but yeah. I think it. So, it's the assembly of a team. When did you get involved? And by involved, I mean like start reading or start knowing about this scene. Was it while this was going yeah, on? Or yeah, just, yeah. So, you, yeah, so yeah. did you know about LifeBlog while it was uh, happening, or no? Yeah, I probably did. Um, didn't, okay. I, I didn't read it because it's, it's again, it seems it seems like it's too much for me. But I started with, um, I think probably around shoplifting from American Apparel, right? Okay. Because like Taolin was a kind of big, uh, that was like a big deal. Um, and I said this in the in the Jordan Castro episode, um, which like, is out now. I feel like you can. Uh, and this is, I think, unfair to all the other people because I think Taolin came first and maybe made the biggest splash um, in readers' minds. But he's also part of a community. So I think a lot of these people write in a similar way. Mm-hmm. And because I think Taolin is the first of a lot of these people to be read, it seems like a lot of these people are biting his style or, or siphoning from him. Like I've noted uh, – you can note it in this book too. There are like specific words that are uh, – recurring um this idea of like uh, uh seems bleak uh grinning neutral facial expressions mm-hmm, right these mm-hmm, are things mm-hmm, that are, mm-hmm. are like recurring uh and i think she she even comments on it she says a thing and then she'll say it like she'll retroact not retroactively but like she'll realize that she's saying a thing that people don't necessarily say or it's like a literary thing or she's just trying to think out loud and i think it's mm-hmm. whether she's commenting on like this is a thing that like my my circle says but it just She's aware, I think, of the way that she's writing. Well, this is something that we talked about a little bit in text messaging last night because we were talking about like it's kind of weird that we did that there wasn't a Taolin book in this in this uh, uh, in this module, and um, th- there are a million reasons for that. But like uh, we were talking about how it may have been valuable to read Taipei specifically before we read right. this book. And Taipei is about her her marriage with Tao. Yeah, and and, Tao. and one reason why I think this is. Um, and maybe I'm torpedoing the entire I- idea of why we didn't do that right now is because I think that uh, Megan Boyle and I think that this book stands on its own with and, and like if, if we use Tao Lin as an introduction to that, then it becomes sort of the Tao Lin show again. Yes. And and like I think uh, I think this is probably the best thing that came out from that entire scene. Well, I think. What and we we haven't covered these books on the podcast, but I think it's a similar kind of thing. Like I think I would like to do type. Like I I bought on eBay yesterday, like a a Taolin bundle or whatever, five books including Taipei. I want to read that now that I know her story. Yeah, because I'm gonna be on her side in in a way. But I feel like it's the same kind of thing where it's like we've talked about on here before, story of my life, and then you hear that character reference in American Psycho, and you're Mm -hmm. like, holy shit! Mm -hmm. But like because you read that one thing first, you're kind of on her side Mm -hmm. in a way, and then you're like, why are you being so mean to her? Or it's well, I don't, I, not, I, not 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 or not not being mean, but treating her so callously. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. But it, it feels like you're making predictions about a book that you haven't read. About, no, no, about, no. Like, I'm not saying about. I'm not saying about Taipei. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm, right. I'm talking specifically about the story of my life okay, that becomes right, yeah, 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 gotcha. the, the, poli- the political mm-hmm. whatever book that I keep forgetting the title of. The politician. Is it called the politician? The 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 book about John Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's the woman, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, it feels like that kind of thing where it's just like, I'm not talking about Taipei. I'm talking about. In American Psycho, we're just like, yeah, I raped her or whatever, or like yeah, whatever, yeah. just like whole, like no, she's a person. Like we read a whole book about her, uh-huh. so I feel like it's the same kind of thing where having context, like whatever you have first, in a way, colors your interpretation of whatever comes after. Yeah. So then, so then, in in, in this case, it's uh, g- good. I think good because reading live blog before or reading live blog out of the context of of Taolin is. Uh, I don't know if it's the proper context, but it's 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 a unique context because I think most people who come to this book, who came to the blog, uh, originally were probably already familiar with all that stuff, and so we're we're viewing her through a, a lens. And so so to to look at this on its own without that stuff, or to now see Tao Lin through her lens be- mm-hmm. before seeing her through 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 that other lens is like a 
a good a good way to, a good way to do it because I think she's probably ultimately gotten the the short shrift because it, like like I said in the in the book there are parts where uh, she feels like people are being critical of her for having uh, appropriated stronger voices than hers and stuff like that which I think is uh, an insecurity it might be an insecurity of hers um, it might be something mean that someone say to say it because I do think I think she has a really strong unique independent voice that that, that like doesn't sound like other people's voices right. and like I think that comes from you know she makes really unique metaphors she uh, comes up with like incredibly uh, particular scenarios that are are like located specifically in her brain like the, the whole sequence where she is like imagining a game show uh, between her like a game show competition when, between her and Blake Buck- Butler about who could last longer without without sleeping and they have to like set up traps in each other's homes to make the other fall asleep like that stuff is really uh, funny and unique and and if you have the context of th- that Blake Butler also wrote a book about his insomnia it becomes like you learn a little bit more about that world but um you know that's a it's a it's a weird concept and it's coming directly from her brain and not anybody else's brain. Right. So it's not like I don't think that she's borrowing someone else's voice. I think what you have with this entire scene, and 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 so I think I might have to walk back some stuff that I said because I think I was maybe critical of of Jordan Castro a little bit in the Jordan Castro episode. I think what we have is a group of people that talk to each other, and when a group of people talk to each other, they start using the same words, yeah. right? And they start describing things in the same way, just like because that's how things go. It's like it's like how it's, just, it's easier and more comfortable, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah, like how uh, our very small group of friends calls the TV show Succession Succession, right? <laughs> like there's like all sorts of things like that. That's just like whole show. Yeah, it's there's you know no, but I think that's that's special. And I feel what's what's. I think magical in a way about that is that even though we're not a part of that scene in any way, desperately, I'll, please welcome me into your scene. I don't know. I don't. It sounds sounds terrible. I <laughs> no no thank you. This her whole this whole book sounds like fascinating and also terrifying. Like I don't know. Like I would not as a very sort of straight edged. I just like what different different life experience. But um, I feel like we're kind of a part, like we're in on the joke. Even though we're not a part of the scene, we're kind of in on the joke because we're able to see the connect, not the joke, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like we're in on yeah. the thing, like we're able to see, we're able to make those connections mm-hmm. because we are reading the things and talking about the things and noting the similarities and differences. And well, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, like there's nothing more relatable to me in like maybe all of literature than the first like 30 pages of this book where I'm just like, I want to scream because I'm recognizing so much of myself in this thing where I'm just like, just fucking go to bed. Just go to bed. She makes, Stop staying awake. She makes not sleeping seem so appealing. And, and, and also just print out the goddamn things. You don't have to like, you don't need a list to do it. You don't have to like, uh, cause I have this, you know, I, I have obsessive, uh, things that I do, uh, not obsessive in, in like a clinical kind of way, but there are things where I, that I do where I'm like, you know, if I, I'll set a timer, um, and I'll be like, uh, okay, I can do this until eight and then at eight o'clock I'll start mm-hmm. and then I'll do the thing. And next time I look at the clock, it'll be eight Oh two and I'll go like, well, fuck it. I'll just start at nine then, yep. you know? And, and, and like, it's just away from my brain. So like I'm re- in, in, in a lot of her behavior that I would categorize as like, uh, irresponsible or, or immature behavior. Um, cause she's like 26 ish. I think I think 27. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is not young, but not old. I recognize in that behavior, my own bad behavior. And it's there's nothing more frustrating than yeah. seeing your behavior in someone else mm-hmm. and just being like seeing how how uh, easily it seems to to correct that behavior. But at the same time, there's also, I think, a really, really accurate depiction of depression in here where it's just like an actual realistic account of how fucking hard it is to do everyday things. Yeah. Just like going to the store and then sitting in your car for 45 minutes because you're just like, I actually don't know if I can go in and talk to those people. I, like, might have to just turn around and go back home. Mm-hmm. With Ed, like, I, this whole thing has been a wash because I can't I can't bring myself to do it. And I think what's really remarkable about this six-month period is that, like, 
kind of nothing happens and a lot happens, but that's kind of just life, right? Like she goes through a couple of relationships, but like, and she moves, she gets a new apartment. Yeah, um, she, I, think, I think a lot, a lot happens. I think a lot happens, but also it's not like, like in a normal in a normal narrative. Like if this was fiction, yeah, you might like it, but I think the wide <laughs> public might not like it. Well, I think actually, like I this is some, something that I I think is like a really interesting thing is that I think this ends up being structured sort of similarly to like a Woody Allen movie or something like that. Whereas like it starts with this relationship where you're, where you're like Zachary. Yeah. Where you're like, this is toxic. It's bad. She should get out of this relationship. And slowly that like, you know, as they, as she moves out of the apartment in Philadelphia, that relationship does, uh, sort of disintegrate a little bit where because she you know and 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 the negative things that we think about that relationship I think are you know that they're, they're they're all there like he's critical of her writing in a way that is like uh, not even critical but dismissive um he is uh it seems casually cruel to her we learn later on that he uh hit her but that's that's later on so that doesn't really factor into the structure of what I'm talking about um and then and then once she gets out of that casual relationship and we feel or t- toxic relationship and we feel um sympathetic to her leaving we wanted her to do that we wanted her to get to New York because that's where like the new life can start and then she meets this new guy omitted um and do you, that, do you know who omitted is or no no idea okay no, no I didn't didn't try to look it up didn't ha- had no you know I'm, I'm letting the 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 mystery bay. Letting the book stand on its own on, cool. on, yep. the, okay. on the terms that she's asking us to let it stand. And then that guy, their relationship seems great. It seems like she's really coming out of, of this, uh, you know, fog of depression. With, with... You, you can really tell when she's happy because mm-hmm. she updates live blog less. The updates are more positive. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like less druggies, but you can feel like there's less despair. Yeah. And it does feel like she, like things are really, really good. Yeah. And then uh, and then there's a, a blank space of 15 days. The only time, like, because there's days where she does not update, but it says did not update. There's just 15 days where there's not even did not update. And then when we come back, there is a, uh, like, an audio recording of her describing the things that happened in, Which those, is, in those 15 days. It's the most heartbreaking thing in the and entire book. Yeah. And, and so it's like, it's like this relationship that we thought was the, the, the savior of, of everything Actually, this guy does something that's really horrific and and very. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, 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 I don't know how you do something like that if you if you if you care for a person at all, and. So what we thought was was the 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 thing that was going to bring her into the light out of things actually uh, sends her back into darkness in a way that is like almost like a sort of dramatic irony. Because it like it picks up fifteen days later, she's at her mom's house and she's just like things with him ended badly, and like then she kind of walks back what happened. But it's like we are now forward in time in a way that we haven't been before, and basically everything we thought we knew about and like, again it's life. Everything we thought we knew about this is not actually what we know about this. Yeah, and then and 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 that like sort of leaks out in trickles, mm-hmm. right? Which is a very like structured, dramatic narrative format right and then and then zachary is sort of reintroduced to the text mm-hmm. and as zachary he never really goes away but he comes back in a bigger but, way but as he's reintroduced there's oh i said that reintroduced i love it uh as as megan starts to starts to my speaking is uh <laughs> you've been so good for these first 22 minutes I, or i'm in i'm in full collapse now um she returns to him with a kinder idea of who he is, and she starts describing him as being. She's like, uh, oftentimes, like she's so funny, so intelligent. Glad, so, I, glad I get to know him. Yeah, and you have this positive trip to uh, Rhode Island with this Alec fella that, that like has the normal insecurities of hang, ha- hanging out with people, and sort of ha- there's some negative stuff in there too. But it like seems like mostly a positive time, and we feel like once she recovers from omitted. She's in like a, a much a much better place as we get to the very end of the book. But one of the almost maybe even the very last entry, she's just like, "All right, I'm going to smoke crack," mm-hmm. and it's just like, "Oh, that's like, yeah." I, I think like our what she's done earlier, like that's not an escalation. It's just a return to where she was. Yeah, and also, you know, uh, I think some of what this book does is it enforces 
ideas about drug stereotypes and depression um, while while unplugging other ideas about drug stereotypes because it's like there's a lot of points in here where she's like uh, snorted some heroin and it so totally doesn't seem like a big deal at all but like dramatically if we think of pop culture like someone snorting heroin is like that's the end of their lives right, right. then they're like a junkie they're hooked etc cetera, etc cetera. but she actually seems to deal with drug use fairly fairly well and she talks about it a lot about what quote unquote drugs are and what it means and how you define a thing and how people use it and like also hearing people talk about like I don't think Megan uses drugs to get high or I guess it's one of those things like you're you're able to see why it's happening yeah which is again honest and feels different in a way from just about anything else that's ever depicted drug use yeah and in some ways uh well because there's no judgment because it's because mm-hmm. it's a first person narrative if there is judgment it's it's self-judgment it's, and it's, she's it's, also like there's also it's also uh juxtaposed with conscious attempts to be healthy right hot yoga uh at least you can do smoothie wailing um, on her abs yeah things like that there are parts here where she's like did 400 crunches and i'm like what the fuck and maybe like, you want to do crunches i yeah. could not do that there's no way especially considering like i was thinking that she might be exercising. She might be like walking around, running around, whatever. But it feels like for most of this, she's just sitting around, not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, not she's sleeping like, too. Not sleeping. And yeah, she's yeah. all of a sudden just like you know, ran a marathon. It's like, wait, what? Hold on. Hold, if, I, what? If, I, if I didn't sleep and then I went to do hot yoga, I would die. She makes hot yoga seem I would awesome. Die. Yeah. I mean, it probably is. I've never done hot yoga. Um, I gotta get back on my yoga kick. I did it for about a week and a half, and I was like, mm. uh, I I have uh, you know taken Adderall in my life, um, sometimes in in excess. There are times when she, it's like 8 p.m. and she's like took 20 milligrams of Adderall and I'm like, you're fucking crazy. That would I, – I would not – I would never sleep again. So I think what's interesting about this – and this I was I thought this before when it made more sense to bring it up and then we just – we changed topics. But the book is structured – each chapter, quote-unquote chapter, is a day, which I would imagine is like a Tumblr post or whatever. But her days are not like – not that like anything is normal, but like people go to bed at ten o'clock and wake up at six o'clock or whatever, right? And like everything's kind of contained to a day. But her day is basically like five p.m. to eleven a.m. or not. Like it just it's yeah. whatever. But each so it's interesting to see like okay, this is the end of a chapter, but it's like the beginning of her night or whatever. It's just like well, woke up, watched the heat, went to a bar, and then there's like seven more hours of whatever or like yeah. spontaneous hangouts that start at midnight and they talk till six a.m. and then like then she goes and doesn't go to FedEx or whatever. It's also like there are parts in here where I was just like, this life is so strange because it's like it's like three in the morning and she's like watching TV with her mom in the bedroom. And I'm just like, what do you what what is this what are your parents like? Why why are they That awake? was my big question. Why why are they awake at three in the morning hanging out? They're starting movies at two AM. Yeah, like this is like a very, very bizarre. I do gotta I I think I've 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 I do gotta say I I lost all grammar. Um, I think I've complimented other parents this season in particular, but she has the coolest mom that we've read. Yeah. Um, or do you disagree? Well, I, I I don't. This is this is like interesting because it feels I, I we don't have the full context of the of the parents, um, and we don't have the parents' perspective, and we only have a dark an an especially dark time in Megan Boyle's life. So. Uh, to, for for me to be critical of her parents like needs a, a huge disclaimer in front of it sure. to, to say like I'm I'm critical of something that I don't know the full story for and I don't know whatever um, but there is you know a thing where it's like they uh, uh, clearly never laid down any boundaries for mm-hmm. her or or like uh, like I something that I was texting with with. Uh, with Meg before, and this is why Meg, not Megan Boyle, but Egg. Yeah, my my our, our dear friend Egg. Um, I, I was texting with her about this, and one of the reasons why her email is so short is because she didn't feel comfortable being critical of real people. Um, hasn't stopped her in the past. I know, I know. Tell that to <laughs> tell that to our dear friend Darcy Wilder, of whom she was so mean. Um, but uh, uh, so so uh, you know. I, I was thinking about her parents in, in, in relation to, to my parents. I don't know if this is good parenting. Egg's parents. No, no, no. Uh, Megan's parents. Megan, Megan Boyle's parents. Sorry. Margaret Megan. Um, Matlock Boyle. If if I had been like my car was towed for the fourth time, my parents mm-hmm. would be like, looks like you don't have a car. Yeah. Like, get, go get a fucking job and pay for your thing. And I think that that might result in me not getting my car towed anymore right you know or uh they would probably not i mean my parent when i was when i was young uh 
like when I was living in California and, and like living, uh, in extreme, what I would, what I would refer to as pretty extreme poverty. Um, my parents like lent me money sometimes, but it was always like, it, it was a, it was a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm, I'm reading this and this, this level of, uh, I, I don't want to use the word entitlement because that's like a pejorative, but it, it, it is like a level of entitlement where it's like she – a lot of the things that she's doing, she's facing absolutely no consequences for. And so I think that indulges some of her bad behavior. And from my limited perspective point of view of the parents, like that might be their fault. Uh, but again, I don't have context for this. I, I, I would feel horrified if, if uh, Megan listened to this episode and then was like – like thought that I was shit talking her parents, which I'm, which I'm not. Um, but the 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 tiny context that we have for that, whereas it does, I I, I do think that her parents seem really uh, obviously they love their daughter, and, and they have a, they have a relationship that I don't have with my parents. Like it's, yeah, exactly. They I, have a bond. Like the fact that she's like on the phone with her mom for six hours, and it, they they both seem to genuinely mean that each other is the best friend. Like it just seems like this is well. This is also I didn't like uh, um, another thing. Like it, I felt. Before, like, I was speaking, like, my parents were the best parents in the world or something because they put limits on me and her parents were terrible. Um, but, like, I did not have an emotional relationship with, like, my dad, for example, yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Like, she has these long conversations in diners where she's fighting with her dad and crying and, and like, they have long conversations where they make up and the parents call every day. When I moved to California, I didn't talk to my dad for, like, a year, mm-hmm. I don't think. Like, I, I don't think I talked to him for a year. Right. Um, and, and, like, I would never have a conversation with my dad that ended in either of us crying or apologizing. It just wouldn't happen because right. it was, like, a very, like, cold, like, no – you know, just don't have that relationship. And, it, 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 and like, I, I don't know, because there's no right or wrong or rhyme or reason. Or this, but it, it made me think for a second that, like, oh, maybe they had her really young and, like, they're close in age. But they're not. Like, her dad's, like, I think kind of like an old dad. Like, I think he's, like, considerably older. Like, so and she, not, has, she has a considerably older sister, too. Right. So. so I think it's the kind of thing where it's, like, oh, it's not, like... Like, I have friends who have, like, very young moms, and they get along well because, like, it's just, like, we all... we You know, growing up, they want to watch a movie or whatever. Like, so it's just you... Mm-hmm you become close and you like have like a cool relationship because like they're 24 when you're eight or whatever. And like, I just want to do this thing. You're going to come with me. But this is not that this is just like, they are close because they're, it's a good relationship. Like it's, it's yeah. And and that's, that's kind of what I'm special. That's kind of what I want to say, which is that like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental of uh, Megan Boyle's parents because I think that like, Parenting comes in all different shapes and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, Megan Boyle is like a successful person. She's, she's an incredible a, writer. She's yeah. an incredible writer, successful. So, like, there are ways in which, like, that obviously that stuff comes from her parents being indulgent in that kind of way, too. Also, the fact that she's able to, like, over the six-month period, basically not have a job, seemingly not make money and still, like, survive, like, mm-hmm. is commendable in a weird way kind of way well I, this is something that i thought when i when i read this book because it came out around the same time as uh uh not to uh bring him up again but our friend of the pod bud smith um he came out with a, a memoir around the same Wait, time i thought teenager this. was his first book yeah right um uh, he came out with a memoir around the same time called Work that is like a, a memoir about his uh, time in heavy construction. And it is like an incredibly joyful book. And so like I read these books almost back to back to each other. And it was interesting because it was like one book is all about like the heavy machinery work of mm-hmm. like getting up and going and to an oil refinery. A regimented and, yeah, blue and it, but, it, but it was like full of joy. Yeah. And then there was this book, which is like um, – the opposite of that in a lot of ways like it's like there is no real work to be spoken of except for the live blog which obviously like is is a significant amount of labor but it's, a lot but, of... yeah but it's not work in the sense that like she's not doing it to make money she's doing it because she feels compelled to yeah which is you know i again i don't want to like not I, that that's good I, or bad i think i think writing is labor in, in its own way but it's sure. like there's no uh there's no job here in the entire time that she's over this period. She doesn't have like a go to work job. And it's also in a lot of ways, an incredibly depressing book. And so like, I think that there might be some 
connective tissue between those two ideas. This idea that like lacking structure and feeling aimless, kind of. Yeah, and, lacking structure, feeling aimless, and and also being dependent. Sure. Because um, like the money she gets in here is from her dad, and like a four thousand dollar payout from getting rear-ended like two or three years ago by yeah. a taxi. And then she's also uh, remarkably generous with her money. Yeah. Right. Like she sends three hundred dollars to Jordan Castro so that he can come visit, or she sends uh, like like she offers to pay for things. Well, I, I she, she's a great tipper. Right. <laughs> that comes up multiple times. My favorite thing in this was that she sends Tao forty five dollars because he's going to send her fifty dollars tomorrow. Just like yeah, get that interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so she's like obviously like uh, like a, a generous person. Yeah. Right. She's uh, maybe you could say it's easy to be generous when it's not really your money. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But also like she's. In, in, in being generous with that money, she knows that she's going to have to do something that she doesn't want to do, which is ask her dad for more money. Yeah. Right? So it's like there's this, like, incredible balance of, of uh, there's a lot of emotional calculus that goes into all of this. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, like, whether she is uh, someone who is, quote, unquote, entitled, she's also someone who is very clearly suffering from depression and, and has all of these other things going on. So it's like a very, very interesting, strange cocktail to make up a personality. All of which I feel like I've I've been uh, I don't I don't mean any of those things as pejorative at all. Um, I also think that she's like incredibly smart and incredibly funny and also like incredibly empathetic. Like some of the stuff in here that I I related to the most is like she goes on like multiple all caps rants where she's like, if you like, this is like Matt Early level funny. Yeah, but the, but the stuff I I don't I don't even mean like the the funny stuff. Like there's stuff where she's like um, the honorable judge Matt Early. There's stuff where she's like, if you, like, believe that anyone has more right to make art than anyone else, then yeah. I don't know what the fuck, like, what are we even, do- and, and she becomes, in those moments, angry enough to become inarticulate. And she's an incredibly articulate person, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, because we have these complex metaphors, and she's a, a gifted writer, gifted with a turn of phrase, all of these things. And those moments I also related to because I, I am also a person that when when I get angry about some of the similar things that she gets angry about, I uh, also become staggeringly inarticulate, right? Well, I think what's also what I loved seeing and loved is maybe a weird way, but she writes more than once. Jesus, it's so hard to find the words. It's so hard to type. And she's like thinking and maybe she's pausing it, but it just seems like she's like working it out in real time. Yeah. And then she comes away with, like, a really articulate something. And I want to say, like, you know, toward the end, she's, like, leaving a comment on somebody's blog. And, like, you know, it's pages, pages long or whatever. Oh, and she's, like, Ben Rosamond or whoever. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's really funny. I want it, like, that's just, like, you know, not an afterthought in here, but that's just, like, one of, like, a million things in here. But, like, if anybody left a comment like that on anything I've ever done, it would be my favorite thing I've ever got. You know, Yeah, 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 for sure. And it's just two pages out of 700 in here or whatever. It's just, it's... Like everything uh, she does is just so breathlessly good. Yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah. It's uh, uh. I yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil Meg's email because I'm sure she's going to say the things. That, should we read? Should um, we read Meg's yeah. email in the middle? Re- yeah, sure. Read it. We got an email address lottery at cageclub.com. I mean, we're freewheeling. We haven't done this in six weeks. Just throw an email in the middle of the episode if you want to email in about this <laughs> book or any book. Lottery at cageclub.me. Meg's reaction to live blog. I was surprised at how much I liked this. It felt like I was reading texts from a friend of mine. In addition to that, it was interesting in the parts which specifically did not feel like messages from a friend, but those that served as a reminder that this was a novel. Mainly the parts in which the edits were made explicit, like when she talks about adding in parts or expanding at later times. I also liked that you can see an evolution in live blog, that Megan Boyle does a good job articulating why she says that, quote, this started feeling less private, all in all, a long haul of a book to read. All in all, a long haul. <laughs> but I'm glad I read it. So she, um, I think uh, what the egg, what I thought she was going to say there and what she did say was that it felt like um, spending time with a friend, right? Which is like, I don't think books often feel that way. No. Right? But I think I think a lot of times people feel that way about podcasts. Yes. Right? They, they feel like, oh, I know this person. Well, that's the – This think is that's, my friend. That's another thing that's fascinating to me that she also comments on. Like the med- – like, all of this, but there's the podcast dynamic where people who listen to – not necessarily this, but maybe this, but like real podcasts, other podcasts, podcasts with like whatever where the hosts are maybe less accessible, right? Like you just like – like comedy like, – you're like, I feel like I know Scott Ackerman or whatever, but like – he has no idea who you are. He just knows, like, his yeah. one thing he knows about you is that you like his show. And, like, mm-hmm. that's the end mm-hmm. of that relationship. But here, what's fascinating about Live Blog is she's writing things. 
because she wants to get him out of her. But she also knows that the people she's writing about are not only prop might be reading this, but probably reading this, or she's like responding to texts. It seems like in live blog or like just referencing things that she gets. And the whole idea of writing things to friends and having this extremely like local community or just like saying things, but it's also broadcast the world. Like it's, it's, this it's fascinating to me. Yeah. I, I, again, like, I don't think that I would be able to pull it off because I think that I would be too afraid of, hurting people's feelings, um, exposing people a little too much or ex- exposing myself too much for whatever. Cause like there is a sense where it's like, and there's a little bit of this in the book where it's like, what if you at any point in your life want a job and someone Googles you and, and they can find all of this. Yeah, her justification is like she applies as Margaret instead of Megan. It's like, well, all right, but you know, I mean, um, yeah, but yes, I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm around the same I mean, there's only one shreds. Yeah, there's only one shreds. But I think that that's something, like, it's also, though, like, she for a while is calling Zachary in brackets ex-boyfriend because he doesn't want to be a part of it. And she's like, I'm tired of that. I'm just going to call him Zachary. Yeah. And then, like, it becomes, like, I guess maybe when she's writing about him as ex-boyfriend, it feels not more negative but more personal or vulnerable. And then when it's Zachary, it's just, like, a friend of hers or something that sometimes they hang out and have sex or whatever. Yeah, it moves into a more intimate space. But it's it's... I don't know if I would want her to write about me, but I also would kind of feel like honored in a way. No, I'd be horrified. I, I would, I, I don't, I mean, you know that I have, I, I am off social media mm-hmm. almost entirely. I have no interest in being like an internet person. I have tried to maintain my anonymity in this space as well. Like there's like, I, I, it, which the, has caused me great consternation in terms of going back and editing things, not audio, but the, like text the, and places. The idea, and stuff. the idea of someone uh, writing intimately about me in this way is uh absolutely terrifying to me um and which is like i think that she is is aware of that and takes steps to to i think there's a difference though between being someone that you're in a relationship with Mm -hmm. and being someone like one of her friends because like most of the people in this that she writes about come off like they're the best person in the world like Ju- Chelsea like, Martin is the, is the one that's Chelsea, like... <laughs> Chelsea, my dog, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like no one fuck with Chelsea. Right. I'll come after you. Like, there are people in here that, like, seem like they're the best person in the world, and they probably are. Yeah. And I think it's it's similar. It's not, or it's not dissimilar from, like, dating a stand-up comic who, sure. like, you're going to yeah, be yeah. in their act. You might not be named, mm-hmm. but if you are still with that person or you're a person of any notoriety, people are going to know that it's about you yeah. or something, yeah. right? So in this, in this small community that's all, uh, um, like incestuous not in the sex way but in the like you know very yes. clo- closely and everyone knows everyone everyone uh, blah 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 everyone's attending each other's readings like they're they're all reading live blog and they're hearing things about themselves and about other people that like and like the thing that like i would i would feel i mean again that's just coming from somebody who doesn't really do drugs at all ever whatever but like when she goes to tao's reading i think and she gives Gian her drugs to have an out in every conversation but like the, the thing is just like Gian's just like walking around this party with drugs it's just like I wouldn't want that about me but like I, he clearly doesn't give a shit like it just yeah I know. think it's pretty omen and uh, again because it's like a community of people who don't have um, you know drugs are almost a uh, there's almost a prestige about them right it's not like it's it's not a uh, they're not people who are you know nursery school teachers or um, it honestly probably makes them more appealing to their that's what i'm saying yeah there's there's a there's a a prestige to them what i did like and again this is you know going back to my avengers thing before but i'm glad that we did this so far down that there's things we've talked about there's things that i've read like i read marie calloway's book we didn't do it for this but that was on the original yeah original list of books you gave me Mm -hmm. that basically inspired the podcast her book was on there she basically disappeared i have no idea what she's doing anymore i just broke the google rule to find the name of the book and i think she's only written one book i I realized as i was doing like, oh this is illegal you shouldn't have even mentioned it crime i need to confess this is my life blog 12 53 p.m well, by the way when you write the description of this episode don't like mimic the style of the no book. i'm not going to okay because people do that in reviews and it drives me fucking crazy no i have i have a very i've written probably close to a thousand podcast descriptions <laughs> yeah. and i just have one way that i write it uh-huh, 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 and it's uh-huh summary and then also just dumb shit okay i'm not gonna be like yeah 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 no all right good i i I texted you a couple times like that just to kind of try to be funny but i'm not gonna do that Mm -hmm. in public Mm -hmm. 
I think it, 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 it short shrifts both you and her, I think, in a way, right? It's just like, oh, I could do it so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's I like, like, when I read book reviews that are like that, people always try to do that. And it, like, it's so annoying. I did think while reading this, the conversation we had about Darcy and about Darcy's book and about how, it, like, people could be like, oh, that's, that's easy to do. It's just yeah, a bunch yeah. of tweets. Mm-hmm. And I think I could structurally do this. I don't think it would be entertaining. I think that this is an accessible, approachable thing. I would be exhausted by it. I could do this. It wouldn't be good. And I think that's a difference. I think, and I think that's it's it's no more or less magic than Darcy's thing. I think Darcy's yeah, thing. Yeah, no, is, I agree. It seems easy, but it's tough. This seems easy, and it's kind of easy. But to to have it be compelling, you need to be a good writer. Yeah, and you also have to. There has to be a level of honesty that is uh, not attainable by me. In 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 speaking about myself to an audience do you think if you did this or tried this would you ch- if you if you forced yourself to be 100 percent honest mm-hmm. would you change things you do would you eat different foods would you do different things yeah, would yeah, you yeah. would I you I, masturbate less i think i probably uh would all of those things i don't think that i would masturbate less okay because i'm impotent i don't masturbate at all <laughs> zero can't go lower than zero <laughs> I another thing that I liked about this and again this is just my weird kind of like technology brain or whatever is I like when you can tell that she's writing on a computer versus a phone like the capitalization like I think that the actual punctuation like I think she uses punctuation fascinating in like a sort of stream of consciousness kind of way lack of capitalization to more safe which I think is even though Microsoft Word keeps because he's paying them or whatever Um, I also like her open letter to the CEO of Microsoft Word Um, or the CEO is plural but I think there's something to me that I just like knowing how the sausage is made in a way. And I like knowing, oh, she's like writing this like as she's driving, which seems like she's at. No, this is something that I, I she's like driving on a highway, snorting yeah. heroin, answering Ask FM questions and live blog. And, and sometimes it. reading live blog. And there's one point in the book where um, it seems like she may have been masturbating while driving. And I'm just like, this is insane to me. Megan Boyle. I don't know if you're going to listen to this. We're going to interview you. You can re-listen to this. You sound like the least safe driver in the world. Well, she also says at the end, like, she talks, she documents her, like, suicide attempt, and she talks about the one time she drank and drove yeah, yeah, yeah. to see if this is the time that it happened. Yeah. Like, it's... It's very, very... It's scary. The, the, and, and the interesting, the, the part about that at the at the very end where, um, where she does that, where she documents her suicide attempts, um, this is the saddest part of the entire book for me. At the end, she's like... Uh, documented this just to see how bad if it, if it was. it sounded as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. Like, that is... That is... Uh, because it's, like, three attempts, it's, like, daily very, self-harm. Very, very dark. It's, yeah. And she's like, no, it's not as bad as I thought. It's very, very dark. And and, and so I think that gives you a, a bit of a... A bit of a uh, passageway into her that you maybe don't even get throughout a book that's extremely honest and extremely in depth about this person's life, which is that, um, like sometimes it actually is even worse than you, than, mm-hmm. than appears to that person. Um, which is, you know, tough to, tough to think about slash deal with. Um, there is one more thing that I wanted to think about that, that goes along with two more things that I want to think about. One of them is, uh, goes along with what you were saying about the, punctuation and stuff like that which is there are parts where she talks about um her fascination and and love of this idea of accurately transcribing the way that people talk yeah which is a um which she does to herself in the video transcription yeah and it's really uh it can be hard to read right if you read an entire book like that it would be very difficult to read but it's also um you know i think it also gives you access to character in a way that you wouldn't you don't get in stylized dialogue and you realize like furthermore that like any sort of realism in fiction is kind of faking it sure because you don't get those stutters and pauses and what the stutters and pauses give you even in someone who's incredibly articulate um they give you like an insight into hesitation and things that they're unsure about they give you uh a greater access to um, the way that minds repeat themselves, the way that uh, how how speech doesn't follow a linear tract, how how you like 
you know, you, you leave a topic and then go back to a topic. Well, she writes about that, too, because she writes about how, like, when you read a novel, there's the recurring themes and the things that reoccur. And, mm-hmm. like, it's something like, like breadcrumbs left by the author intentionally. And that doesn't necessarily happen in speech, even though it does happen in speech. Mm-hmm. So once again, we come back to a novel that's kind of about language. I also like in I think you can read into those transcriptions in a different way you read into the rest of it but like there's the thing where she's talking about in that video transcription about her mom giving her jewelry because she wants her to have it before she dies yeah but also in case she needs to sell it for money and it feels to or I read it as she's talking about since she's showing off to the camera like the jewelry or whatever and then like it felt to me like she was about to break down then she like transitions like hard pivot into something like real dumb because she's like I can't if I go further yeah this is gonna be the end of it. and like it, it just it's so goddamn yeah, you're, you're, heartbreaking you're de- yeah it's it's like the deflective nature even in someone who's obviously being incredibly emotionally honest with us throughout there's a there's a deflective nature that brings you away from that um, what was the other thing? There's more thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm going to remember it. Once While more. you think about that, I will say that you you can tell she's a good writer because she writes about dreams a lot in a way that like <laughs> is compelling. Yeah, I was going to say that too. And she even she even writes. I wrote. I made a note of it on page 188. She says, "Why do people hate listening to dreams?" Because I think we've even mentioned on here before. I've mentioned on some podcasts recently. There's the always sunny joke about Dennis. Like D starts telling Dennis a dream, and he goes, "Look, if I'm not in it, no one's having sex. I don't want to hear it." Yeah. But she does it in a way that I'm like. This is it almost feels it's fiction, obviously, but it feels like she's a good writer because she's telling a thing that like if you start telling me a dream, I'd be like, I don't care, man. And that's no knock to you. I just don't care. But she does it in a way. I'm like, I would read a whole book of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like I always I, I am always kind of interested in hearing other people's dreams because I always think that they're making it up because my dreams are never uh, linear in a way that other people's dreams are. My dreams are always like. There's like a single image, and then I'm awake, or something well, like that. That's the. I mean, I don't. I'm no brain doctor. I don't know what the amygdala is. <laughs> that's true. You don't. That episode's out. Yeah. Um. But I. You don't remember a dream unless you wake up in the middle of it, and then if you go right back to sleep, you're going to forget it anyway. So like, you have to wake up and write it down, or somehow remember. Like yeah. it's the when people are like, did you dream last night? I'm like, no. Like I. I normally don't right. dream. Yeah, yeah. What was the other thing you thought about? Oh, I was thinking um something that. I really want that I don't think that Megan Boyle will do or can do um, is, uh, you know, the Up series. Yeah. Oh. So I was thinking, I, like, I would love it. I would love it if Megan Boyle returned to this format for six months every 10 years and wrote a new, like, wrote a second, like, did, just did. And then, and then we'd have, like, because like this is a tw- the 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 seven hundred pages of a twenty seven year old's life, right? And that's one thing. But seven hundred pages of a thirty seven year old is life. a completely different right. thing, right? Especially when like there's obviously going to be growth in between then and the next thing, mm-hmm. and then you're going to do another ten years after that, and then you, and then what you end up with ultimately is this like thing where you know you don't have things like this about fifty seven year old women. Right. right, this this like massively detailed account of like a fifty seven year old woman's it's like that. Uh, well, God, is it Chantal Ackerman? She has a, a thing. I think it's like called Twenty Hours. I can't Google it. A day or something like I, that. I'm not allowed to look. Um, it up. It's a film that's just like a very, uh, it's like a very slow depiction of someone's day. Right, and, and you. Oh yes, it's it, like a four-hour-long movie. Or yeah, something like and it's that. just yes. like yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. He, she's just like cleaning the house. She's doing regular stuff, and it's just like fascinating in its like poetic banality. Yeah. yeah, and there's something really like interesting about that that I would want to see from a fifty-seven. And, and then, and then but I would you, want to know from a fifty-seven-year-old Megan Boyle, not from a fifty-seven-year-old anybody. Like, that's that's what I'm saying. It that's has to be saying. someone yeah. with, who's like, as good and, of a writer. And so, yeah. if, if you return to that every ten years or so, you see this like massive arc of of a human being's life, and there is a chance for that to become a wildly uh, uh, redemptive, beautiful story. There is a chance for it to go incredibly wrong. There's a chance for all of these things. And obviously, like, you know, I, I don't know how anyone could read this book and not end up rooting for her. Obviously, you end up rooting for her and you want her to be okay because you've come to know her and really like her through this book, I think. I can't imagine reading this book and thinking like, ugh, that person. Well, I think you wouldn't get through it. Yeah, you wouldn't get through you it. You would give it up, very right? Early. So, so early on that, not to blow up her spot, you texted me when Egg started reading this, that she was going to take a long time to get through it. And I read that as, given her response to other things we've read this season, yeah, 
egg being the completion she is and she you know ride or die with us all podcast long yeah. she's going to read everything i took that as oh this is not for her but then later well i didn't think yeah th- this is a book that i don't like I, i'm i'm hesitant to recommend this book to people because it's like i think you i think you sort of steered me away from it when i asked you like what you're, you're like i don't know that's it's a lot yeah because this was um, this was my favorite book of the year um, it's 700 pages and it's 700 big pages. Yeah. It's like, not like, you know, mass market paperback pages. They're pages that like, if you put in a mass market paperback, this might be a 1200 page book. Mm-hmm. And it's also incredibly slow. And I would say boring in like a way that like, I'm trying to redefine what boring means with this podcast. Whenever I say something is boring, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it's your favorite thing in the world. I mean, I mean it in a way that it's like, it's focused on the poetic mundanity of life. And there's something about that that I find incredibly, incredibly fascinating. Well, I think, and again, not to throw Jordan Castro under the bus, who is a character in this novel, but like when we read the novelist, yeah, a book you didn't particularly care for. I did not. I mm-hmm. liked it more by the end of our conversation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to me, that was like I under I got what he was doing, and I'm just like I don't need this. Like this, I get what she's doing, and I want more of it. Yeah, okay. And I don't think that's necessarily a testament. I mean, it's a testament to her, but I don't think it's necessarily a critique of him. I think it's just a different kind of doing. What I think they're both very effective in what they're doing. One just worked for me, and one did not work for me. Yeah. Like, I think the novelist is good. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this is great, and I think it is for me, but I don't think it's for many people. Yeah, that's why I was, I, I you know, as a book that I really love, um, it still took me a month to read. You've read this twice now. Yeah, it took me a month to read. It took me as long to read this as it took me to read Duck's Newberry Port, and Duck's Newberry Port is a longer book that is denser. But there might be a, well, they're probably more, they're probably similarly word-lengthed. Maybe. Even though there are probably maybe like 50 pages in here that like have do not update. Like there's yeah. – out of the 700, there's probably about 50 that are just nothing mm-hmm. on the page. So like six – but it's still – it's still dense. But it's also, it's also when there is a narrative arc to something, when you're moving through something in a way that it – of, in the way of a traditional story, which is shortchanging Duck's Newberry Port a little bit, but there is a more traditional narrative. But in, in just, that. To be cl- just as a reminder, to be clear, we both love Duck. Yeah, yeah, so, it's yeah. great. One of my favorite, again, one of my favorite books of the of that year. Um, this is like you don't know what's going to happen next because it is skewing so close to real. I mean, it is real life, and that makes it like also because it's pretty downbeat. Um, and it can be hard to to like sit down and read a hundred pages of something that's downbeat, especially when it's a character that you really like and you're rooting for, and you're just like, God damn, I want this person to be okay. Mm-hmm. I can't just. It's like you know, I we we I've talked about this binge watching television. It's like you don't binge watch Mad Men. You can't. Right. I tried. It, didn't it work. doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can binge watch lots of stuff, but like there's certain things that you can't. Like, and this is a book that you can't sit down. You're not going to read 300 pages in a day. It's not going to happen. I kind of did. Like I, I know, but I, you, I, I I wouldn't want to. But I also I do think that there is like i think that something about this works because i think in a way that nothing else we've read nothing else that maybe i've ever read i've i'm in her head more Mm -hmm. and i feel like at a certain point i'm just like i'm all like this is just what this is what i'm doing like i'm living her six months this week Uh and i i wish that i had planned better just so that like i didn't wake up every morning like gotta do 100 pages like because if i don't i'm gonna have to do 200 tomorrow no i was i was the same way i was like you know i have to get up at uh, before seven every morning for work now, and it's like I'm I'm reading this book at like eleven, and I'm just like I should read ten more pages, but like ten pages of this book takes me almost a half, probably a half hour to read. Well, I, I've said before on here not to brag, but I, I basically ballpark a minute a page for me, and this was well over a minute. This is yeah, like yeah, a yeah. minute and a half or two minutes, mm-hmm. and like not because it wasn't interesting, and I wasn't, and I also wanted to make sure I wasn't glossing over things because like. Because everything is written so similarly, not as a negative, but just everything is matter of fact, if you skip over a paragraph, you might miss nothing or you might miss everything. And I didn't I, w- I didn't want to skip anything. So I made sure. And also the, read- a lot of the importance is in the nothings, right? Yeah. So um, you miss all the good jokes if you skip the nothings, which is like. And again, this is very, it's very, very funny. That's all. Yeah. We should emphasize, like I said, it was downbeat. I said there's, there's like parts in here that are pretty sad or dark, but like it is also like an incredibly funny book. And I, I hear ever since I read, read this book four years ago, um, I've never been able to get uh, uh, Trout, that's the fish, out of my head. Like, that's something that, like, I And that's still, not even her thing. That's an Alex I, Trebek thing, right? I, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's her, it's her, like, but it becomes a joke because it's her repeating well, speaking it. of that, one of the funniest things to me was just, like, an interlude fairly early on 
what I think sex with different game show hosts would be like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's her describing Trebek and Sajak and Drew Carey, maybe, or somebody. Probably Drew Carey. And I'm just like, this is amazing. Like, this is, and I think that's the kind of thing, like, when we read. Was Steve Harvey on there? Because he's the. Oh, I think so. Maybe the, it was Steve the Harvey. guy. You gotta, yeah, you gotta fuck Steve Harvey. If you're, if you're fucking game show hosts, Steve Harvey's number one on the, on the call sheet. I, I do think that, like, the Steve. Maybe number two behind Trebek. Sorry. Go ahead. May he rest in peace. May he rest in peace, yeah. You don't want to fuck Ken Jennings, though. N no. <laughs> I, do, I do not want to fuck Ken Jennings. Um, um, but I think the same way that when we did Requiem, we did Requiem for the first season, right? Uh, no, we did uh, Memories of My Father Watching TV. I read Requiem separate. Okay. Yes. But when I think we talked about Requiem on that episode, I think what is, again, a testament to her writing is that she can do any number of different things and they're all compelling writing about dreams making dumb lists uh just blogging about her day like there's there's different things and i don't know that she's consciously and i don't even know if curtis white did the same thing but like to me curtis white was kind of like well i'm just gonna write a book about you know the woman who has sex with dogs now and like now i'm gonna write a book about or you know the guy out on the boat or what just like he like he has different things they all read so differently and i feel here whether she's doing it to like be in like to give her more excitement in what she's writing or just like whatever is in her brain the fact that she's able to do so many different things and they're all like yes more of this another one of this that's great i love it yeah i would like to see i mean i obviously i want the up series from her but the live, live blog live blog two live blog three like continued throughout her throughout her entire life so that this is like live blog 27 live blog or die hard live blog 37 live blog 47 um I would also love to see just a novel from her. Like, a, has a, she written anything else? I mean, she, she, I know she, she writes a lot of like journalistic. Like, she has a, uh, a one that is like kind of a book of poetry, which is something. I think it's called "Selected Tweets from a Mexican Panda Express Employee." Oh yes, yes, like yes. That. She refer No, that's on her wiki. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. Have you read that? Uh yeah. I don't think it it, it is doing for me what this what this book does i read it a long long time ago though another very funny thing is when she is very drunk and typing in all capital letters and trying to remember jonah hill's name and can't do it and can't oh, i do felt it. bad about that because also she's she's you know jonah hill has recently been talking about how like he feels like whenever people talk about his weight he feels like very intensely bad but i think public. that's i think that's also again she's being honest she's not yeah, like yeah, sure who's that uh -huh. slightly overweight uh -huh. like, yeah, yeah. who's the fat guy in those movies <laughs> Yeah, or and, then she's also, she's and then she's also talking about how that's not a problem for her. She's like, you know, she's not making fun of him for being fat. No. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I read that and I was like, oh, that's like a bummer. Yep. Um, anything else to say about live? I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I think this is, I think, might be a logical place to end. Is there anything else you want to say about this? No, I'm good. I'm, I, I'm, uh, it's one of my favorite books of the last decade or so. Uh, I really, uh, I, I think it, occupies an interesting space on the internet uh uh part of our module which we didn't really talk about um that much um a weirdly positive internet space like it's like it doesn't seem like people were attacking her all that much yeah uh or at least she wasn't reacting to them attacking her i mean i know she talks about getting some nasty ask fm questions and things like that um and there's one really really funny part where someone is like uh, are there any alt-lit writers that she you hasn't blown? blown? And she's like three to five alt-lit writers not blown so far. <laughs> like, that's that's really funny. Because I like, I enjoy, and this is what compelled me to defend Kim Kardashian for years and years, and I no longer do that. But, like, I enjoy people who uh, refuse to be shamed. There's something very beautiful and, and wonderful about that. And, like, I see. It's interesting that she, um in, in this book multiple times sort of rejects the term feminist because i think that this is like a pretty feminist novel well because in the one interview they're like oh you're the one who says you're the woman who's not a feminist she's like yeah and then like they just move on yeah, yeah whatever yep is there so one thing i don't know if i'm going to ask her about this or not it depends on how the conversation goes but you know with darcy we talked about how she didn't want it to be an ebook she only wanted like she wanted a different format here mm -hmm. right like i have this i got this for christmas a couple years ago then i bought the Kindle, because I, like, I can't imagine, like, when is a bigger thing I just want to read, like, on Kindle, I want to be able to read on my phone if I'm out, or on my Kindle, or whatever. I don't know that you could, tra like, I was thinking about, like, just the other things you could do, like, Darcy did an audiobook. You can't do an audiobook of live blog. Well, oh, oh, so, so something well, that's interesting. You? Well, something that's interesting that we, that we, uh, 
I don't know what's worth talking about, what's not worth talking about. But when this book came out, she did a uh, a read. She read the entire thing. Whoa. 37 hours. She did a 37-hour. Like a live stream? Yeah, 37-hour long reading with like a couple of breaks. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, we got to talk about that with her. Yeah. So that's that feels and, – and that's, again, this book came out in 2018 and the events of the book when she was doing it was 2013. So it's like also her – that kind of reading is like reliving a, a I think period in her life. What's right? also, I think, really interesting, and not necessarily good or bad, but again, how it's apolitical, it doesn't feel like it's from 2013. It feels like it could be from any time. The only time... Oh, there's internet shit in there where I'm like... The, 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 the one thing that stood out to me is toward the end, when I think she's with Alec in Rhode Island, and he goes, she goes, uh, we should watch Blue Velvet. And he goes, she's like, do you have it? He's like, no, but I have Amazon Prime, and you can overnight ship things, or you can like watch... Uh, it also lets you watch movies and stuff. Yeah, I'm just like, movies. yeah, we don't. You don't need to describe what Amazon Prime is, but maybe in 2013 you did. No, but also, also there, there's stuff in here where where she's like, uh, oh my my house doesn't have internet yet, or like, um, she loses her phone when she goes to Rhode Island and she doesn't have the GPS. And I'm just like, goddamn, like I feel like now people wouldn't, you would not go on that road trip if right. you didn't have a phone now, right? Although one time I think we went out to dinner or something like a year or two ago, and my mom. Like left her phone, probably pre-pandemic. I don't know, but she like left her phone at home. We're like, how do you how do you just not bring your phone? Like she doesn't like use the phone like we do. Yeah. But just like even for someone who didn't grow up with a cell phone, just like how do you go anywhere without it? Like how do you not go when you go to the bathroom? How do you not bring it with you to the bathroom? You know, it's just like the kind of like it it's always there. Yeah. My my dad never had a cell phone. He didn't he didn't ever end up getting a cell phone, um, which is good because he would have if had he lived he would have become a QAnon weirdo. Almost 100% guaranteed. So I'm glad he, like, stayed away from the internet a little bit. So the live read is fascinating, but I think this is another thing that could only exist necessarily in, like, book. Like, you couldn't make this a movie. Yeah, I don't know. It would, be, you it would could, be very weird. It would be, like, it's a documentary. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It would, be, it would be interesting to try because it's, like, it would subvert an entire form. Right, you would. Some of it would be webcam. Some of it would be like just narrative. It could bits. be. It could be fascinating. Yeah, maybe like Zoe Kazan or something. As Megan Boyle. Yeah, sure. Poots. Who's that? Oh, oh, the girl from uh. Yeah, because she's in Whole Show, and Matt was like, "I bet you love Poots," and I was like, "I do." Bob Whole Show. Bro, how? Bro, how? We're on Twitter at Lottery. I forgot that she was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Twitter at LotteryPod, patreon.com slash. Don't support our Patreon if you want. When we started interviewing authors, we stopped doing bonus episodes. The Patreon is kind of. You know, there's still stuff there. You should support us. We uh, uh, we have currently have somewhere in the ballpark of 30,000 listeners. Um, We'd like to accept advertising. That way we could uh, quit our jobs and do this show. I make a dollar a day on YouTube for Too Fast, Too Forever. I'm like, this is this is good money. (laughs) Good money. Good money, baby. That I have to split with my co-host and also pay like 30% to the government. But, you know, those 35 cents I get a day. Yeah. Today's crime is commissioning an assassination on the dark web. The